Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. That was a really lovely worship. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. That was really special. Would you pray with me? So, Father, Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, just thank you that we get to approach your throne of grace today through our Savior, through our Lord, through our King, your Son, Messiah Yeshua. We just ask, Abba, that your name continually be sanctified with us, that your name would be revealed to us, that your name would rest upon us, that your name would be delighted in today, loved, esteemed, honored, and treasured. We love your name, Father. And we love the full revelation of your name in your Son. So we just pray that your name would be mighty with us and upon us through your Son and by the Holy Spirit. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Thank you. So, as my friend was sharing, I lead with a group of elders, Kingdom Living Messianic Congregation in uh, Overland Park. It's actually right next to Overland Park in, in Shawnee, uh, Kansas. And uh, I also serve on the Tikkun American Leadership Team. Now, one of the passions that I have in serving my own congregation and in serving the Tikkun congregations is helping people and helping congregations to grow to full maturity in faithfulness and in fruitfulness onto the return of our Messiah. That's my, that's what gets me up every morning is I, I want to see people become more like Yeshua. I want to see congregations become more and more mature in faithfulness and fruitfulness so that they are ready for the return of our King. Amen. That's my passion. So that's what we seek to do as uh, tikkun. We seek to help congregations grow to be as biblical as they can be and come to maturity in the likeness of Yeshua in faithfulness and fruitfulness so that congregations, not just individuals, are reaching their destiny and are ready and prepared for the return of Yeshua in the establishment of the kingdom of God in Israel and the nations. Amen. So that's really simple. Uh, it's obviously something that only God can help us all with, right? Amen. But it's the simplicity of, of what we do, what we're devoted to, what I'm devoted to. So instead of talking a lot about that, I want to jump right in and try to help you guys. I want to help this congregation today pursue maturity in 
faithfulness and in fruitfulness in preparation for the return of your Messiah, our King. So the title of the message today is Remember, Don't Forget. Remember, Don't Forget. And if you want to turn to your Bibles to Deuteronomy 5, that's going to be the place where we will anchor this message in. And I'm going to be talking about seven essential things, seven essential things that I believe you need to remember that I want to encourage you not to forget in your pursuit a full maturity of faithfulness and fruitfulness as individuals and as a congregation in preparation for the return of the king. So we're looking at seven essential things that I'm exhorting you to remember, to not forget, as you pursue full maturity and faithfulness and fruitfulness and preparation for the return of the king. So that's the, the aim today. That's the objective today. That's the focus today. And we're going to anchor this in the 10 words given at Mount Sinai. Now, as a new covenant messianic congregation... I hope you believe and I trust you believe that the principles of the ten words are not abolished in the new covenant. Yeshua didn't come to abolish the Torah and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. He couldn't be the Messiah if he abolished the law and the prophets. He couldn't be qualified in his credentials to be the Jewish Messiah if he abolished the law and the prophets. So he did not come to abolish them. He did not come to abolish the principles of the ten words that we're going to be anchoring our message in today. However, as new covenant congregations within Tikkun, we seek to apply the principles of the Torah and the prophets in light of the fullness of the new covenant. So, while I'll be explaining things related to the context of the ten words, I will be applying these principles to us in light of the fullness of the new covenant that we have entered into through Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. So are you ready? All right. Let's, let's jump in. So, first I just want to establish a very important point. Did you know that the ten words are never actually called the ten commandments in the Bible? They're not called the ten commandments. Now, the ten commandments are in the ten words, so the ten words are not less than the ten commandments, but they are more than the ten commandments. Three times we actually have the language, ten words, in the Torah. We have it in Exodus 34, 28, literally translated as the 
ten words. Deuteronomy 4.13, literally translated as the ten words. And again, in Deuteronomy 10.4. This is important because the first essential thing that I want to encourage you to remember as individuals and as a congregation that we're going to anchor in the ten words is this. Remember your salvation. The ten words begin with the principle of gospel and salvation, not commandments. Did you know that? The first statement of the ten words is not a command. It's not what we would call, you know, the first of the ten commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. But it's actually the principle of gospel and salvation. So we cannot become fully mature disciples of Yeshua and fully mature congregations if we forget our salvation. If we forget the gospel, we will wither and die. Our faithfulness will erode. Our fruit will wither. Without the power of the gospel, without the greatness of salvation, we cannot become mature. We can't even be saved. But we can't become mature, robust, full, biblical believers and congregations if we forget our salvation. So let's look at Deuteronomy 5, verse 6. This is what Adonai said to the people of Israel out at Mount Sinai. Chapter 5, verse 6. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So the first thing God said to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai was, I am Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The ten words begin with God reminding Israel that he is their God and he is the one who brought them out from the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, God saved Israel by his unmerited favor and divine power. The principle of salvation by grace is found right here in Deuteronomy 5.6. Israel did not earn their salvation. Israel did not earn their redemption. Israel did not earn their God's love. God set his love on Israel. God chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants after them, setting his affection on them, setting his love on them, and promising to rescue them and make them as a nation his people. All of that is by grace. And I want to encourage us as new covenant believers, as a new covenant movement of messianic believers that we can never forget what God has done for us. If we're going to be faithful and fruitful, we have to remember what God has done for us. The great salvation he has brought to us in the new covenant through Messiah Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. That we 
were slaves to sin. We were under the prince of the power of the air that works in the sons of disobedience. We were stuck in guilt. We were condemned. We had no hope unless God came down in Messiah Yeshua to save us because we were sinners. And we can't forget that. We can't let that go. We, can't, we don't graduate from our need to remember what God has done for us. Are you hearing me? Very, very important. Now, as a Messianic congregation, did you know that every Shabbat, the Bible commands that we're to remember that we were slaves? Look with me in Deuteronomy, verse 15 of chapter 5. This is part of the command related to the Sabbath. Adonai says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. That the Sabbath day is a day to remember where you were and how God brought you out of that old life. The principle here is valid for us as New Covenant believers and New Covenant congregations. That Shabbat is a day to remember redemption. In the Exodus version of the Ten Words, we also learn that Shabbat is a day to remember creation. Here in Deuteronomy, the emphasis is put on Shabbat being a day to remember redemption. So every Shabbat, we get to come together collectively and celebrate our salvation in Messiah Yeshua. This is part of the meaning of Shabbat, to celebrate the greatness of our Creator, the supremacy and sovereignty of our Creator, and the power of His redemption. And we come and we celebrate God. We take a day of rest and worship. And together we worship the majesty and greatness, the power, the wonder, the awesomeness of God in the salvation that He has brought us in Messiah Yeshua in the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot forget this great salvation. We have to remember. Also, as a Messianic congregation, we celebrate, right, the spring festivals and the fall festivals. These are times to remember the historic redemptive work of God with his people Israel. And these are also times to remember the greatness of our salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Are they not? In the spring festivals, we celebrate our salvation. We remember our salvation in Messiah Yeshua. And in the fall festivals, we celebrate things connected to the return of our king, the consummation of our salvation, right? Salvation is, has a beginning, it's progressive, and it has a consummation. And the consummation is connected to the appearing of our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, who will return to establish the kingdom of God. For when he appears, we will appear with him in glory. When he appears, we will receive our resurrected bodies. We will receive glorified bodies like his. Our salvation will be consummated. 
So as a Messianic congregation, we do not approach the spring and the fall festivals in a legalistic fashion. We present them and we live them as people of the grace of God who celebrate salvation and Messiah Yeshua. So on Shabbat and the spring festivals and the fall festivals, we are a people that are called to remember our salvation. Are you hearing me? This is really, really important. Because all the other things that we're called to remember, they will get distorted if we are a people who forget the greatness of our salvation. Actually, no congregation is worthy of the name Messianic if they forget their salvation through the Jewish Messiah. I want to be a biblical man and I want to be a part of a biblical movement and I want to be a part of congregations that love Messiah Yeshua and do not forget the greatness of his work of salvation. And I want to challenge all of us to be biblical, robustly biblical. And essential to being biblical is to fully honor the gift of salvation. Amen? All right, good. So first essential thing that I want to encourage you to remember to become fully mature in your faithfulness and fruitfulness is to remember your salvation. Number two, remember who God is. Think about it. Can we become mature in faithfulness and fruitfulness if we forget who God is. Certainly we cannot. We need to actively engage our minds and to remember who God is. We need to be reminded over and over and over who God is. Every time we come to worship according to the word of God, the truth of the word of God, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we celebrate who God is. We remember who God is. Every time we read the Bible, we should be remembering who God is. Every time we meet in our small groups and encourage one another in our small groups, we're to be reminding each other of who God is. We need to be a people that are fixated on the God of glory fixated in our hearts and minds on the God of Holy Scripture, the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And if we're going to become mature in faithfulness and in fruitfulness, we need to remember who God is. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 6, remember, it starts with, I am Adonai, your God. He's the God of Israel. Remember, he's talking to Israel here. The God we worship, the God we want to worship in spirit and in truth is the God of Israel. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the great, mighty, and awesome God. He's the consuming fire. He's the God who keeps covenant to a thousand generations. He's the God who wants to bless our children and our children's children. He's the God who sent Messiah Yeshua to die for Israel and the nations. He's the God who gives commands. That's part of the revelation of God here at Sinai. He's the God who gives commands to a redeemed and saved people. We have to remember 
who God is. We have to be lifelong students of who God is, pursuers of the knowledge of God. Are you pursuing the knowledge of God with all your heart and all your soul? That is a privilege. That is a joy. That is an honor to be invited into a lifelong pursuit of the knowledge of God. And every disciple of Yeshua is called to pursue to know God more and more. And one of the ways we do that is we need to constantly be reminded who the God of Holy Scripture is. One of the ways you can explore the truth of who God is is actually ask the question behind every command of the ten words. What does this command reveal about God? What does this command tell us about who God is? For example, the command, you shall have no other gods before me. What does that reveal about our God? Well, for one, I think implied is that he is a God who is faithful and loyal to his people. And he wants a people that are faithful and loyal to him. And as he develops this idea in the next commandment that prohibits idolatry, we learn that he is a jealous God. He's a jealous God for the exclusivity of the relationship with his people and the intimacy that he desires with his people. So he is a God who is completely loyal to us, completely faithful to us, and his desire is to have a maturing, faithful, loyal people that he is so close with and so intimate with, but knowing this, that if we threaten the exclusivity of the relationship we committed to and stray towards other gods, then we can be sure he's a God who will discipline us because he's a jealous God. Think about it. If I am to be married to one woman, which I am, and she is amazing, her name is Sarah Elise Cleary, My wife demands an exclusivity to our relationship in terms of the kind of intimacy that is reserved for one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. It is right for her to to be jealous in that sense for the exclusivity and the intimacy of the relationship between her and I. And it is right for sure for God to be jealous for the exclusivity and the intimacy that he longs to have with you as individuals and with you as a congregation. Because he is a jealous God. He tells us in verse 9, you shall not bow down to idols or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, 
but showing steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So, we must be a people who remember who God is. There's so much error and deception that is running rampant throughout our country now among believers. And one of the great departures from biblical fidelity is how people begin to view God. You know, many today view God's love in a way where he would never discipline his people. And that is rubbish. Of course a God of love would discipline his children. Of course Messiah Yeshua, the great, tender, gentle, humble shepherd, would discipline his flock. Because the God of love is a jealous God. And we must remember that because it inspires the fear of the Lord in us. And if we don't have a biblical vision of who God is, then we will lose the fear of the Lord. And a people who lose the fear of the Lord will become enslaved to the fear of man. And they will cower before their spiritual enemies. They will find themselves ensnared by intimidation. They will find themselves in a propensity towards cowardice. They will find themselves in bondage to fear because they lost the fear of God. So if we want to be a movement, if we want to be congregations or individuals or families who grow to maturity in faithfulness and in fruitfulness, fruitfulness, we must remember the God of the Bible. We must be insistent. We must be zealous to know him more and more and more, knowing that every degree of glory we get to see and enjoy and exalt is all part of the free gift of eternal life. Because John 17, 3 says what? Eternal life is in essence knowing God the Father and the one whom he sent, Yeshua the Messiah. The essence of eternal life is knowing God. And we know eternal life is a free gift. So when I'm encouraging us to pursue the knowledge of God, to remember who God is, we're pressing into that free gift. We're pressing into that grace that's available to the humble. The humble are those who receive what? Grace. God gives grace to the proud. Is that what the Bible says? No, God does not promise grace to the proud. He promises grace to the humble. And the humble are those who want to know God and receive more and more of the unpacking of this free gift of knowing God and his son. Thank you, Lord. So point number three. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. So you, I'm encouraging you to remember your salvation, point one. Remember who God is, point two. Remember who you are, point three. The ten words was given to what? A free nation. This was a charter of freedom. This was a pathway of how to live a free life. Obeying God's commandments is an expression of freedom. 
those who view God's commandments as bondage are holding an ideology that will keep them in bondage. Those who see God's commandments as delightful and to be lived according to as a free people saved by grace are people who are really remembering who they are. Now, in the New Covenant, in Messiah Yeshua, we see these principles develop more. And I want to encourage you, I want to remind you that in Messiah Yeshua, you are free. You're not free from the responsibility to keep commandments, but you are free from the slavery to sin. That the power of the cross of our Messiah Yeshua is the power not just to remove our guilt, which is very important, our condemnation, which was very deserved, but to remove our propensity to live in bondage to sin. That the power of the cross is the power to free us from lawlessness, to live as a free people, to live according to our design. We were designed to live in union with God. We were designed to live in relationship with God. We were designed to live in a way that we would image forth his righteousness and holiness. And freedom, the freedom that Messiah Yeshua has provided for us is a kind of freedom where we can grow increasingly more and more in our role as imagers of God in righteousness and holiness. And that's the kind of freedom that the Holy Spirit empowers disciples of Yeshua for. The Holy Spirit is God. To not love him is a sin. To not love the Holy Spirit with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is a sin. It is a failure to obey the first and greatest commandment because we believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of them are worthy of our love as God. And the Holy Spirit has a very important job description. And one aspect of his job description is to empower us to live in increasing righteousness and holiness as a free people redeemed and saved by the cross of Yeshua and the resurrection of Yeshua. So I want to encourage you to remember who you are, that you are a free people. So when the enemy comes in to try to pull you back into bondage, know who you are. When you're being tempted into any type of sin, remember who you are. This is not who I am anymore. I'm a free person. I'm not under the bondage of sin. I'm under the rule of God's grace that sets me free from the bondage of sin. Do not forget who you are. This is a day where many people, many professing believers are forgetting who they are. And they're compromising. And there's corruption in the body of Messiah. There's sin and iniquity and wickedness even in Messiah's own family. 
because people are forgetting who they are. And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I want to urge you, do not forget who you are. Things are getting tough. Things are getting difficult. Remember what Paul says, that it's going to be difficult in the last days. In the latter days, there'll be much difficulty. And the word difficulty there has this idea of troublesome, hard, harsh, even fierce. And then he goes on to list how people will be living so wickedly in the last days, showing that the the trouble, the difficulty is substantially because of the sinfulness of sin in the world. And that sin wants to pull you into company with the wicked. And if you forget who you are, you will find yourself going, being dragged, being brought forth into the company of the wicked and leaving the company of the righteous. And I would encourage you to stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit to remember who you are, to live as a free people, to be an upright, righteous, and godly people in this present age as we wait for the happy hope of the greatness and the glory of our Messiah's return. I want to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to build you up. But you need to not forget that you are a free people. So we cannot forget our salvation. We cannot forget who God is. We cannot forget who we are. And four, we have to remember what love for God and neighbor looks like. Yeshua said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the greatest commandments, the most important commandments are what? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The most important commandment, to love God. The one like it, to love our neighbors herself. And he was summarizing the Decalogue. The Decalogue is the Greek translation of the ten words. Deca, ten. Log from logos, words. It's actually an accurate translation of the Hebrew. That when we read the ten words, and really all the commandments incumbent upon us as new covenant believers... We see a vision. We see a, a picture. Remember, God's commandments, they enlighten the eyes. They give us pure vision because it's a pure water. It's the pure water of the word that sanctifies the bride. It washes our eyes. It gives us pure, clear eyesight of what love for God looks like, of what love for a neighbor looks like. And if we forget what love looks like, because love fulfills the Torah, right? We see this explicitly in the Apostle Paul in Romans 13, 8 through 10, where he talks about love and he, he lists different commandments from the 10 words. And he tells us that love does no wrong to a neighbor. It is love that fulfills the Torah because Right now, even in the body of Messiah, we're being told that love means we should support homosexual marriage in the body of Messiah. Can you believe that? Now, God loves all sinners, certainly, but God gets to define what love looks like for his family. And love 
for his family. And love expressed through his family is always according to his word. So let's not forget what love for God and neighbor looks like. You know, in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, this is a wonderful text to show us that the Messianic community is to be a people who do and teach God's commands. We're doing and teaching what love looks like. We're doing and teaching what love looks like as we're being conformed more and more to the image of Yeshua, the embodiment, the expression of the Father's love. So I don't want us to have any compromise in our hearts. I don't want to have any compromise in our congregations when it comes to what love looks like. Now, we're all on a journey towards growing to full maturity in faithfulness and in fruitfulness until he comes. But our scriptures tell us that we're to be abounding in love more and more. The Apostle Paul prays for congregations, and we can pray for this congregation that it would abound in love more and more so that we are ready for the king when he turns, so that he will have a bride filled with love when he comes. This is his will for you. His will for us is our sanctification. And our sanctification is manifest in a greater and greater, more mature and more mature love for God and love for neighbor. If we lose these two commandments from the centrality of our focus as congregations, and we begin to quibble about minutia and make what is the lighter matters of the law or even rabbinic matters, the center of our focus, losing the glory of these two great commandments we will not become healthy. We will not grow to full maturity in our faithfulness and fruitfulness. We have to keep first things first. I want to encourage every believer in here to keep first things first. To keep the first commandment of greatest importance, loving God and the one like it, loving your neighbor yourself, as central to your theology of how to live out the commands of God. Because all of the Torah and the prophets depend on those. They hang on those. So I'm not saying we don't have interest in the lighter matters of the Torah. Of course we do. We have interest in all of God's word. But part of maturity is to be able to distinguish what is weightier and what is lesser. And when you flip those around, you have dysfunction and disorder, and it leads to division in a congregation because agendas on the minor matters get pushed, and the weightier matters get pushed out if they're allowed to get pushed out. But a congregation, and everybody has responsibility here, is supposed to keep the weightier matters the weightier matters and the lesser matters the lesser matters and hold your ground on that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Very, very important. You want to become a healthy congregation, this is essential. Essential, I mean that in its, in its 
definitive meaning. If, if you don't do this, you will have the erosion of health in your congregation. If you do do this, you have increasing health and vitality and life in God expressed in this community. I'm just trying to bring it to you straight. Number, number five, remember your call to be witnesses. Remember your call to be witnesses. In Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 10, Let's actually go back a little bit. Let's go all the way to verse 5. Deuteronomy 4, beginning in verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Also, I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll apply this briefly. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, Yeshua calls us to be what? He calls us to be salt of the earth. In verse 14, Yeshua calls us to be what? Light in the world. And, and then he builds on this. And in verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, so how do we do that, Yeshua? Well, if you want to know what Yeshua means, keep reading. After he told us to let our light shine, what does he say next? He says in verse 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then he talks about the importance of doing and teaching the commandments, right? And then in verse 21 all the way to 48, he gives a exposition of commandments of the Torah for his new covenant disciples. So here's the principle in Deuteronomy 4 and in Matthew 5. Both passages are calling God's people to be a witness, to be a witnessing people. Both passages call the people of God to be a people who do the commandments of God, for that will be a manifestation of wisdom and understanding. That will be a manifestation of light and we have to be strong in our theology and our conviction that to be a faithful and fruitful witnessing people, we have to be an obedient people. Now, I know there are strategies to witnessing. You know, there are strategies to reaching people for Messiah. And the biblical ones are really great. We need those. But techniques can never replace faithfulness. And God tells us people in Deuteronomy 4, God tells us people in Matthew 5, that we are to be a witnessing people that shine the light of God, that make God known as a people of faithful obedience. 
So this is very, very important, that you have to remember your call to be witnesses. Now, we're witnessing indeed to a great Savior, a great Redeemer, who has saved us by His grace. But remember, this salvation by grace changes us. It makes us new creations, right? The promise of Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. God gives us a new heart and a new spirit. He puts his Holy Spirit in us so that we're empowered to keep his word. And this keeping his word, keeping his commandments, doing his will is central to being his witnesses on the earth. Did you know you're always being a witness? Everybody's always witnessing to something. We cannot not be a witness. It's just what are we a witness of? And Yes, we need to testify of how God saved us out of our sin and brought us forgiveness and cleansing of sin. That is part of our testimony. But we need to be a testimony of changed and transformed lives. And we have to be willing to bring that testimony to our community of the opportunity of a salvation that actually gives you a fresh start, a salvation that actually changes your life, a salvation that actually makes you a truly free person, a free person not in the sense of freedom from obligation or freedom from commands, but freedom to be who you were created to be. And that is a person who follows the Lord. That is a person who obeys God's commands. Yes, we're in a process of sanctification. None of us have arrived yet, but we need to be pursuing full maturity in faithfulness and fruitfulness. So that's my exhortation to you there. Number six, I want to encourage you to remember your children and your children's children. To be a healthy congregation, to be a faithful congregation, to be a fruitful congregation, children have to have a high value to the the people in the congregation. I'm trusting that's true here. I'm trusting that's true here, but I want to encourage you to make it really, really important and not forget the children and the children's children. Because a healthy congregation that doesn't value the children and the children's children, it's not really a healthy congregation. Children's ministry should be highly esteemed in a congregation. Working with children should be highly esteemed in the hearts of God's people. Now let's look at some verses here about this. So let's start with uh, uh, Deuteronomy 4 again, just kind of picking up, really, where we were talking about uh, being a witnessing people. And look at a few verses. Deuteronomy 4, let's pick up in verse 7, because remember, we're talking about being a witnessing people, a great nation, and now we're transitioning to remembering your children and children's children. Now look at the connection here, verse 7, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous is all this law that I set before you today. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. 
Make them known to your children and your children's children. And then obviously in the Shema, chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What words? In the context, the primary words he's talking about are the ten words. That's the context. Ten words, Deuteronomy chapter 5, Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. The primary context. Now, all the word of God is uh, valid for the education of, of, of the people of God and the children. So let's, let's, let's look what it says here. In verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So, we are to be a people that remember our children and our children's children. I want to say a word of encouragement to those who have adult children. Perhaps you have adult children and perhaps you have some regrets about how you raised your children. Perhaps some of your adult children are not walking closely with the Lord, and you're broken about that, and you're sad about that, and you've, you've asked the Lord to forgive you for the ways that uh, you've, you've erred as a parent, and that you still struggle with the pain of that. Well, I know the Lord, our God, and I know if you listen to his voice, you're going to hear his tenderness, you're going to hear his forgiveness, you're going to hear his mercy being communicated to you. But I also want to encourage you not to underestimate the legacy you can leave your adult children by you living a faithful and fruitful life for the rest of your days. Don't think that your faithfulness and your fruitfulness will not be seen by your adult children. Oh, they're watching. And even if you went to go be with the Lord, if you finish your life strong, in the strength of God, with faithfulness and fruitfulness, you are leaving a potential legacy for your adult children where the Lord could turn their hearts and in turning their hearts, they could remember how you live as an adult and how you live as a faithful and fruitful disciple of Yeshua. And it could be your witness that inspires them to finish their race in the arms of God the Father, and in love with Messiah Yeshua. So do not underestimate the witness and the power of your love and faithfulness for Yeshua in these days. Do not underestimate the effect that can have on your adult children. And those who have younger children still in the home, I want you to receive encouragement. I want you to receive the grace of God to help you Keep the word of God before your children day and night. To keep the word of God in the conversation of the home. Fathers, I encourage you to read the Bible regularly out loud with your family. Mothers, I encourage you to read the Bible out loud to your children. Don't let the enemy say that you're not qualified to teach the word of God to your children. Or it's not exciting enough. Or it's not keeping their interest enough. Children, as you know, they pick up way more than they get off, give off. They see things. They hear things. They're very intuitive. They're very smart. So just because they're not getting everything you're saying, try not to get overly stressed out about that. Just be faithful. Be consistent. Ask for the grace of God. 
and stay steady and keep the word of God and give it your best efforts with the grace of God to raise them to really understand these things. And these seven things that I'm encouraging you to remember, I would encourage you to teach these seven things to your children. To remember salvation, remember who God is, to remember who they are. Young people need to know who they are. They need to be reminded who they are. They need to be reminded what love looks like, love for God, love for neighbor. They need to be reminded that they are a witness and they're called to be a witness. And they also need to be trained by you so that the legacy can not just go to them, but to their children after them. So I want to exhort you and encourage you in that. Last point, number seven. I want to encourage you to remember, and this is very important, that you're going to have to forgive much and be forgiven much as you pursue full maturity in faithfulness and in fruitfulness. You're going to have to forgive much and you're going to have to be forgiven much as you pursue full maturity in faithfulness and fruitfulness. A healthy congregation needs to be a forgiving congregation. A healthy congregation and healthy individuals and healthy families need to be people who in their pursuit of maturity are willing to forgive much, knowing they're also going to have to be forgiven much. Now, we're not talking about a license for sin. We're just talking about a long road to become like Messiah Yeshua. We're not talking about tolerating evil. We're talking about growing in righteousness is a process. Growing up to full age and spiritual maturity is such a long process. And in that process, know for certain that this road is a road where you will have to forgive much and be forgiven much as you obtain, by the grace of God, more and more maturity, looking forward to the return of the Messiah. I think this is why Yeshua in the, the Lord's Prayer, you know, tells us, one, that we're to ask for our daily bread. That sounds like every day, doesn't it? To ask for your daily bread, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The daily practice of forgiving and receiving forgiveness is a very healthy practice. So I want to encourage you as individuals, as families, as a congregation, in your pursuit of full maturity, to be willing to forgive just as Messiah Yeshua has forgiven you. Because a congregation can't grow to be the family it's called to be, to have the relationships God, is in, God intends for them. Unless they're a congregation that's willing to walk through things together and offer forgiveness to each other. Don't let the enemy win in your relationships. Don't let roots of bitterness get between you. Don't let divisions happen through grudges and resentment. That's why you can't forget the salvation God has given you. You can't forget how much you've been forgiven, how big of a debt Yeshua paid for, how much the Father has forgiven you. It can't compare according to Yeshua's teaching.
with the debts we're to forgive our neighbor. The debts we've been forgiven so far exceed the debts that we have to release our neighbor from. So I want to encourage you with all my heart to be a forgiving congregation. You know, we learn in Hebrews 9.15 that the new covenant in Yeshua's blood is the only way to be redeemed from transgressions committed under the first covenant. So these Ten Commandments that we've touched on today, there is no forgiveness of sins for breaking any of them anymore apart from the blood of Messiah Yeshua. And that blood was costly blood. That blood cost the Father a lot, sending and sacrificing his son. That blood cost Yeshua a lot. And that blood needs to be honored. And it's not just honored by giving forgiveness the way we've been forgiven, but I'm sensing right now one of the ways God wants some of you to honor that blood is to fully receive God's forgiveness toward you. We don't honor God more by receiving only half his forgiveness. He paid to forgive us for all of our lawless deeds. And we give him more honor and glory when we open up our heart to receive fully the Father's love through his forgiveness. So I want to encourage you right now. I'm just sensing in my spirit, I believe from the Holy Spirit, that there's some of you that are out of touch with the Father's love you because you're stuck in condemnation over your sins. And the Lord wants to take that away today. Yeshua died to bear that condemnation away. He became a guilt offering for you. And he wants to lift that burden off of you. So if you're feeling the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart through the word of God, I want to encourage you to give the burden of your guilt and your sin to the Lord today. And let him lift that off of you and let the Father's love and cheerful forgiveness shine down upon you. So today what we talked about was seven things, really seven exhortations to remember that I think are essential. I think the Word of God teaches us these are essential. If we are going to become fully mature in faithfulness and in fruitfulness in preparation for our King's return, those seven things are, one, to remember our salvation. Two, to remember who God is. Three, to remember who you are. Four, to remember what love for God and neighbor looks like. Five, to remember you are witnesses. Six, to remember your children and your children's children. And seven, to remember that you're going to have to forgive much and be forgiven much in your pursuit of full maturity as individuals and as a congregation in faithfulness and fruitfulness. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys.